Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks once again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, we'll reflect on a good point potentially for Guernsey FC and their relegation fight. Ross Allen salvaging um, something for them at Foots Lane on Saturday. We've also been catching up with the uh, hero of the moment and probably the hero of Guernsey football for many a year. He'll be in the dugout um, taking the under-16s across to Jersey at the weekend. We caught up with him about that wonder goal and his move into coaching. Um, We'll also look back at what's been happening domestically this weekend. Um, A a fairly quiet one, um, but some interesting results nonetheless. And we'll look ahead to the Marathi semi-final, which takes place, of course, in Alderney this weekend. Um, joining me, Tony Kerr, for the start of the show is Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And Simon Delery. Hello. Great to see you both. Um, let's start down at Foots Lane on Saturday and uh, with that Ross Allen goal. Um, GFC drawing two all um, at home against Chipstead. Um, and that draw um, coming thanks to a Ross Allen wonder strike right at the death. Del, you were in the commentary box for GFC TV. Um, I was, yeah. It was a privilege to be there to witness that one. I have to say, two great goals from Gurn at the weekend um, and yeah it was that last minute equaliser that uh, had any, everyone chatting as they filed their way out of a very sunny foots lane on Saturday um, with big smiles on their faces I think um, and uh, well yeah to describe the goal I mean it was a, a Dave Merris corner that came in uh, Charlton Govine uh, got ahead on it he played the full 90 minutes which is good to see um, it was kind of semi-cleared by the defenders and uh, Govine sort of chased it away from goal um, dived to make the header with, uh, and so it was quite a brave header but it was just enough to get the ball out to the edge of the area to Ross Allen who ran onto it flicked it up with his right foot and then in the same movement uh, hammered it home with his left to high into the net and it was just the sort of technique that you don't expect to see at that level basically um, and I think it's certainly a candidate for goal of the season. Yeah, as you say, the technique, it, you know, to get that much power on a ball that's so close to his body, um, yeah, I mean, we know Ross has got, um, yeah, he's demonstrated that technique, hasn't he, for many years, but um, it was and, quite and a unique goal. I've not seen him score one quite like that. And it, it seemed that he, um, for, for, it's difficult to ascertain from the body language, I guess, but it seemed like he was already determined to, to get that sh- type of shot away, even as he flicked it up with his right foot. So, so to have the confidence to, to know he's going to put it in exactly the right place with that flick of the right foot at that at that pace. I mean, he wasn't sprinting onto it, but nevertheless, he and the ball were moving. Um, and yeah, it's just it was it was uh, rightly celebrated with uh, enormous enthusiasm by all the players. Not just because it had secured a point, but I think they're all just aware that it was a pretty special goal. We'll talk about what that point means perhaps in a moment. Let's hear what the manager made of it. Um, Simon, you caught up with Tony Vance at full time. So uh, a point in a relegation battle. Are you pleased with that? <laughs> With eight minutes to go, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was a game that we really needed to win, if I'm honest. And um, yeah, whilst Chipson are a good side and they pick up useful points um, and they probably deserve to win today, in all fairness, um, we uh, we battled through very difficult circumstances and um, I think it was really pleasing to get a point in the end. Um, but... Um, I think it, yeah, obviously, start of the game, we came here to to win. And um, and uh, it was a bit of a non-show first half, which I was disappointed in. You know, as I said, we didn't really get going. So, um, you know, that's probably the most frustrating thing, I think. And uh, you mentioned difficult circumstances. Obviously, that would have included uh, Jacob Fallet's getting a knock and then having to play through it with not a lot of uh, defensive options for you on the bench. So, um, what's the prognosis for him at the moment? Yeah, he's not looking great, to be honest. And um, also, we lost Joe. Um, just after the goal, um, 
well, but before he, he was struggling to be honest and so we were we were getting ready to take him off and uh, so we lost two defenders there really so um, I think you know huge credit to the players that we end up with votes and um, and Keanu and that's it only two defenders on the pitch um, I said to Geordie I'm on the bench I said um, <laughs> when we got to three all um, we needed to take a point because we had about seven strikers or seven forward players on the pitch and uh, yeah we, we, we did everything we could to try and score uh, you've now scored in, uh, well, I think it was January the 7th, the last time a, a team kept a clean sheet against you home or away. So are you fairly confident that you're going to sort of battle through these last six games and uh, get the points you need? Well, I think results aren't going well for us. <laughs> and today I think I should have win in, I think. Um, but, I mean, we've got to concentrate on ourselves. As I said, that was probably two points dropped. Uh, and the plan was to sort of try and scrap a one-all last, a, a draw a, a point last week, which we did. And to try and get a win here. Um, got a home game next week, which, which is a winnable game, but again, tough. Um, you know, we're, we're a few wins away from being safe. Um, we're, we're, we're down there. Um, but I think what has to be sort of um, sort of really commended is is the players, what they've done. You know, from when we were rock bottom and everyone writing us off and everyone doom and gloom, travelling with 11, 12 players, what they've done in the last two, three months has been nothing short of incredible to the best. And, you know, like you say, um, scoring all the time, you know, we, we're looking a threat. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got bodies here available for us as well. So huge credit to the players. They've, they've turned it, they've turned it around. But we're not out of the woods yet. Good point, bad point. Two points dropped. Interesting, isn't it? That, you know, it, yeah, in, in, within the same interview, he's on one hand saying, yeah, well, they the, the opposition deserved the win. Uh, but on the other hand, it was two points dropped or, you know, um, he was disappointed. Uh, I, I guess it's because the first half performance really was flat. I mean, there was there's virtually nothing to say about that first half performance, except that, um, that you know, there's no lack of effort at all. But it's just, just so many wayward uh, passes, especially with the final through ball. Meanwhile, the opposition, Chipstead, had this... Uh, um, striker um, Somo, who who was just making really uh, good runs against the defence and and um, being allowed through many a time, uh, there was a lot of um, uh, angst, especially from Jacob Fallais about the uh, the second goal not being given offside. But then equally, there were a lot of occasions when he was flagged offside that he was completely convinced, and one or two in the crowd, I think, convinced that he in fact wasn't offside. So perhaps uh, fair at the end of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, we should mention that first goal as well because Keanu marched down the right hand side um, played a blinder he was named man of the match um, his his cutting inside when uh, approaching the corner flag leaving um, uh, the defender Perkins on his backside and then lofting a ball into the area which is so perfectly met by Tony Vance so um, some of our listeners might have seen that Guernsey FC have uh, put up on Twitter a, a sort of count clock of how of the time between Matt Loring coming on and then scoring uh, with his first touch 58 seconds later. Um, it's very impressive header. So um, yeah, overall, um, certainly I can understand Tony being uh, unsure as to whether to consider it two points dropped or one point gained. But ultimately, um, Ashford... Uh, also ended up drawing despite being two goals up uh, and so Guernsey retained their, their position in the league. 
Yeah, as you say, GFC 15th, um, a point above Ashford, um, having played the same number of games, um, and four points ahead of Merstham, who are in 17th, just below the dotted line in the relegation playoffs, um, having played a game less than the two sides above them. Um, Gareth, GFC got six games left this season, three at home, three away. Um, the final game of the season on the 22nd of April at Bedfont Sports, who are one of the sides um, in the bottom two Um What's your read on, on, on where things stand at the moment? Obviously, they'd much rather be um, several points better off. I mean, that's, that's obviously how you look at the table. They are still in, in trouble. But in terms of momentum, I think GFC must be pretty pleased with how they're going. I mean, I still hark back to that game very early on in this new year when um, Thatcham came and, and beat us and... It was, that was a very sort of flat performance and we, we didn't really look like we had an awful lot going for us at that point. And then uh, since then, GFC have just, um, they've gone up several gears really, to be honest. And um, I, I can understand where Tony's coming from in terms of not quite sure how to evaluate Saturday's um, result in the end, because it was a game I think he'd targeted. They'd played that difficult period of sort of nine games in four weeks where they were catching up with um, some rearrangements. And um, obviously, as it turned out, his, his decision to rest Matt Loring and Ross Allen for the previous weeks obviously turned out well. They both scored on their return to the to the, uh, to the side. Um, but in terms of um, just coming away with one point, yeah, I, I suppose um, it wasn't ideal. But it's better than nothing, and they can take the, the feel good factor of that that last minute equaliser as good as it was, and sort of um, take that into their final half dozen games. And I just think with Obviously, Ross is backfiring. They've got Wilf Zachary and Charlton Govine, people like that coming back into the side now. And they're pretty much back to full strength. Um, I'm not quite sure how long Kez Mahon's um, going to be out for, but he must be nearing return as well. In which case, um, yeah, I, I think they should hopefully have enough to just push on and just stay clear of that um, that relegation playoff uh, zone in the in the coming few weeks. I guess the problems are more at the other end. I mean, I, uh, he wasn't able to say immediately after the game what the prognosis was on Jacob Fallace with the ankle that he had to hobble through for the second half. Um, and Joe Alvarez obviously came off as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he said, yeah, he was mentioning there seven strikers on, or seven forward players uh, and two recognised defenders <laughs> on, uh, as the final whistle went. Um, you know, uh, they have scored, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with this, they, they, Guernsey have scored 14 games in a row now uh, league games and um, that equals the, a run that they managed it, it across two seasons at the end of 18, 19 and 19, 20 but it's not their longest I was disappointed to find out they have done, <laughs> at this level they have managed a, a sequence of 22 consecutive matches but well, another rate uh, we, we'll take them into next season so <laughs> happily take that and well yeah. when you look but at it it does mean that you know finding the net obviously means that they've got a great chance of survival because if if that was the issue that they couldn't uh, score goals then they'd be in big trouble but any game they go into no matter who they're playing they're now going to feel they've got a decent chance with that firepower up front well I mentioned where they finish the season three home games to come Southall um, at Footstone on Sunday and then after that it's the top two um, either side of a um, some away trips down with Villa in South Park, but Walton Hersham and Basingstoke Town, um, the two other sides to come to Fitz Lane, who will be battling out for that top spot. So, 
I mean, GFC could have a big say in, in who goes up as well this season, but, uh, you know, if they can get some points off either of those. Um, and is it tight between those two? Yeah, four points separates them. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, there'll be nerves on the part of those top teams, I would think, more so than with Guernsey, who will just feel like, wow, you know, we can, we can uh, grab some attention here and really go for it and why not take them down, you know? So I think uh, the, they won't have much difficulty getting the right mentality going into those games. Well, it's going to be very interesting um, next month. Um, we'll, of course, keep you uh, right up to date with it um, in the Guernsey Press and here on the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Thanks very much, Del. Um, coming up next, we'll hear from Ross Allen. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, here with you every Monday until the end of the season. Now, as we've been hearing, there was another great moment for Ross Allen at the weekend, but this Sunday, he'll be hoping to influence things from the dugout. This season, he's taking the island's under-16s as head coach, and they travel to Jersey on Sunday for their big Marathi moment. We caught up with Ross a little earlier um, to talk about what he's made so far of his first experience leading an age group team. What is a approach will be this weekend um, his work more widely with the GFA Academy as well um, but first we had to talk GFC and that latest Footslane Thunderbolt obviously uh, quite a unique moment because the game was uh, slipping away from us obviously two on down the final moments um, yeah and uh, it was one of those games I just I didn't necessarily feel like I was that engaged with I couldn't get into the game too much um for whatever reason um and I, so I think you know all those frustrations from the game and that anger was you know taking it out on that strike and luckily I you know hit it super super flush and um it you know stayed low and well under the bar and, and flew into the top corner so yeah you could see on my face the reaction the celebration how much it meant because hopefully um you know potentially that could be a big big point come the end of the season how's the hip <laughs> yeah. mean, you've had a bit of stiffness in yeah. there, you know this season and that, and that gives you a bit of a problem um but when you look at the, the yeah, you know the angle of the of your body that you sort of get your, your body into um it can't be good for you <laughs> yeah well, luckily i think uh i'd warmed up well by that point <laughs> it takes me 90 minutes to get warm sometimes so um yeah, no, uh, hip was all good. It's actually the other side, so that's why my left, my left, my left foot sometimes a bit freer when I can get through those. But yeah, it was um, Charlton did so well to, you know, give me any chance of getting the ball um, when that sort of co corner came to the far post. And um, once I'd taken that first touch and it sat up, I had to, yeah, whip that whip that leg through quickly. And um, yeah, let's like say the it's a, a a big one, really important one, and and one I'll probably remember for quite a while. So, so it might sound a stupid question, but out, I mean, it was a two-touch goal, right mm. foot onto your left foot volley. But actually, uh, watching it back, the right foot touch was actually almost as, as good as and important as the finish in the end. Yeah, well, I think um, as soon as I saw it coming to me, I knew if I take it, took it inside, those two um, Chipstead players w would sort of be taken out of the way, and I'd, I'd have that shot. It, it, you know, it probably looped it actually a bit more than I wanted it to. It's more a shift to to strike, but yeah, the way it, it I set it up for myself, it, it, you know, it it just made it a lot easier to to strike it clean because the pitch is quite bumpy at times. So yeah, you can't necessarily trust it if that had been on the deck. So yeah, it was uh, you know one of those dream ones that you, you do every now and again in training. But to, yeah, to do it in a game, it's such a big point. 
um, yeah, here yeah, really means a lot. And for it being sort of like say late in the game, and you being our sort of like our top goal scorer sort of thing, um, your actual movement to pull away right at the back post, sort of during a corner, I mean, yeah. was that a natural instinct, or did yeah. you just feel that you might well, get the chance? I'm going to give Dad the assist on this one because uh, <laughs> you know he we, we were talking about it the other day, and uh, I think a lot of times you know corners and the big men go up and. It's, it is quite rare that the ball that sits down to you in the six-yard box is a, a you know for someone to be a poacher and, and top, tap it in. Um, and I've varied my runs and what I do on corners a lot. And you know, recently I've been just there to maybe block someone to help Jacob get free. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this one I just had a sense, and Dad's talked about the amount of corners that sort of are over here and end up whether they're flicked on or what, end up at that back sort of corner junction of the the eighteen-yard box. I think I started around the back and then as it was sort of flicked up and it came to sort of Charlton, I just drifted even more around to that sort of point, knowing that if it came loose, I'll be able to then attack the ball. And yeah, it just sort of came into that area and uh, yeah, the rest uh, is history. Yeah, it's interesting to to kind of hear the thinking behind it. Cause, mm. uh, yeah, it, you know, it, often, you know, you talk about strikers being in the right place at the right time, yeah. but it's not it's not just sort of potluck, is it? You, you, yeah. you consider it earlier. Ross, you said it's an, an important point. Um, when you look at the way things are standing now, obviously um, GFC is just a couple of places outside those relegation playoffs. It's pretty tight down there. Um, do you feel like we're in a in a good place to, to, to stay clear of that relegation zone coming into the business end? Yeah, we'd like to be in a better place, obviously. Um, and I think, you know, that game and the Mersham games are ones that we know there's points slipped. I think that's why, despite the brilliant finale, we were a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, I even had that header at, at 2-2 that, uh, you know, I wish I could have back because I could have put that one in. Three points would have been huge. Um, and yeah, we were a bit deflated. And then the, the, we were looking on the results after the game and um i think uh um ashford were winning 2-0 against chertsey and bedford were winning against marlow and you're suddenly thinking okay we're in a it's been a really bad result today luckily those other teams came back and, and also got two two draws so that really helped us out but yeah it leaves things still finally poised very tense um it's in our own hands of course you know there's i think realistically there's two spots there for three teams so it's and um, you know being the the team at the top of those three you're you're still thinking uh it's in our hands but um yeah it's, it's going to be difficult but luckily we for the first time this season really we've got you know a full squad to choose from and com- competition for places so yeah I think uh you looked on Saturday and the players coming off the bench really made a difference really helped um you know inject some energy and you know so we know we can go for 90 minutes and, and compete against these teams so we've just got to keep working hard and you know do the job and probably another six points or so a couple of wins will probably do it interesting hearing from Tony Vance after the game you know he's was very very positive um, about how the squad have kind of bounced back from what was a really difficult spell over Christmas and coming Mm. to the new year and and, you know just a few weeks later albeit as you say you know the the situation is still um, kind of on on a knife edge in a way um, the positivity around the, the, the whole camp seems um, kind of a world away from where it was a few weeks ago from a sort of player's perspective an experienced player um, what can you say about about how the squad have kind of come together and, and ridden out that storm if you like yeah I think the, the turn of the year you know I think Tony O'Fowl threw down a few challenges and um, you know for the survival of this club more than anything they think we, we've, we've got to we've got to stay in this league and We've got to um, get ourselves out of the hole that we put ourselves in. So, 
yeah, it came, it led from them. And I think everyone rose to that challenge, even though, you know, some weeks we were down to 12 men. Um, and, you know, big shout out to Fowl because there was a couple of weeks where he had to take lead um, with um, Fancy and Sharmo unavailable. And, you know, Fowl did a great job of doing what he does best and rallying the troops. Um, and we got some amazing results and, and got some great team morale and camaraderie to 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 keep us going keep our spirits up and yeah it's amazing what those midweek away wins do away wins with the you know the the, the great away fans that we have and then i think we've we've brought a bit of that home form and energy back to foots lane and the crowd have have really taken that on and especially with the younger some of the younger players that we see now behind the goal helping us out um yeah, so it's a massive team effort from everyone. Um, but yeah, we're we're not out of the woods yet because it's 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 a really tough place to be, really tough place when teams down the bottom are fighting, as well. And you know, we all know they can bring in other players um, when they're struggling and throw a bit of money around. So yeah, we're always competing uh, and up against it. Yeah, just from, from the players' point of view, I often talk to Tony Vance about this. But when you sort of um, whatever opposition you're coming up against, do you actually almost bother looking at where they are in the league now? Because, I mean, like you say, mm. teams can change so much in quick time. I mean, there, there's like the old joke that Guernsey FC wants to play four games in a row and played the same midfielder every yeah. week because yeah. that's how it moves in, yeah. in England compared to Guernsey have always got pretty much the same squad. I mean, do you, do you even sort of bother looking at the league table in terms of who you've got coming up against next? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, it's a good lesson to, to actually not, even bother because like you say I think apart from Basingstoke and Walton and Hersham who've kind of run away with things at the top of the league Mm -hmm. everyone else is on a fairly even playing field and you just see strange results every week Um, I suppose it's akin to you know the Premier League sometimes you see some of these lower teams um, you know pulling out results so it just shows how competitive it is and how similar everyone is and on their day they can pick up uh, results you know we've proved it beating um a bunch of playoff teams in the last few months so yeah it's it's we know sometimes those teams in and around us are going to be harder games because they're like we say they're fighting for survival whereas at this stage of the season some of the mid-table teams teams maybe in a fairly comfortable playoff spot um aren't necessarily going to be on their game as much um so yeah like you say i don't think there's, there's much value in, in taking too much from from teams in their position at this stage well, a few games to go. Um, obviously, we'll be following it very closely uh, here at the Guernsey Press. Um, let's talk about the other side of your football life at the moment, which yep. is uh, in the dugout. Um, we'll come on to kind of maybe your wider work with the academy um, in a moment. But uh, that's basically the immediate focus is uh, this weekend, a trip to Jersey with yep. the under-16s. Um, am I right in saying that will be your first, um, the first match, uh, sort of youth um, Marathi level that you'll have kind of be spearheading the coaching effort? Yeah, I think last year I was... Um more assisting Stu Moyles and, and Dave Gilman in the, the roles with the under-15 and under-16s. And and this year, you know, Stewie's um, taken a step away, which is, you know, great because he, um, he'd been, a, you know, put in a great shift for a few years and I think he needed um, a bit of time to focus on other things. So, yeah, I was happy to um, uh, step up and give it my first go, sort of taking lead with the, with the 16s, which I've really enjoyed this year um, with Dave and... Um, getting to work with the the boys in the academy environment and then, you know, pushing the last um, month, couple of months towards, you know, preparing a squad, um, looking to pick a squad for for Sunday's, yeah, big big match um, against Jersey. And I think, 
you know everyone knows how much I've been involved in Marathis over the years so f to suddenly sort of be in the the other side of the white line it's going to be really exciting for me um you know the whole occasion will be great and I'm just you know I think you, you see it from a different angle different point of view and you just get excited for the players and uh yeah I'm just uh looking forward to the whole experience and obviously last um year was was very difficult from a girl's perspective in, in Marathi football how much of a difference has it made? How important is it that, that we got that win in the under 18s, um, albeit in very, very tense yeah. fashion in the end? Um, has that given everyone a boost at, at kind of age group level? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, you know, I, I was one of those that wasn't too, um, you know, overly concerned with what happened last year. I think these are always one off games. We all know, always know Marathi's, uh, you know, come down to fine margins. And although some of the results, um, maybe the scoreline wasn't as close as they seemed. Um, I, you know, I was definitely at a couple that that, that could have gone the other way had certain moments um, been different. So, yeah, I think um, look, yeah, last year wasn't ideal, but you know, I think like I say, that under eighteen Marathi this year is is probably given everyone, you know, players, coaches, fans uh, alike that belief that it's doable and that the way they came back. Um, from 2-0 down at half time, it's very difficult in a Marathi I was so proud of them because yeah that is not easy and that uh, you know the way they they bounced back they kept doing you know their jobs stuck to the plan um, and got their rewards um, was a credit to them um, and luckily a two you know a couple of those players are involved in R16 so they've now had that experience they've won and lost in Marathi and know what it means um, and hopefully they can sort of you know feed that into a few of the other boys and help them through the experience and um you know sort of try and explain what it means to them to to be a Marathi winner but yeah I'm just like I say I think just excited for the boys because no matter what happens it's it's being a part of these games that you know is what it's all about why that everyone plays um you know club football or tries to get into a, a Guernsey side so yeah it's uh, should just be a great day without wanting to give too much away to Jersey ahead of this weekend. Um, do, you, do you sort of, in taking on this coaching role, have you got a particular philosophy you like to sort of work towards or do you look at the group you've got and then sort of play to their strengths? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always be as flexible as possible. I think Gareth is, is the key because, you know, if you're trying to play with a certain way and you don't have the players to do it, it's not possible. So, you know, and we've also got to take into account that this is an away game. Um, you know, with a lot of sort of pressure and expectation from, um, you know, home side and what they're trying to do. And um, yeah, it, from all the GZFC away trips I've done, um, away, you know, the away games are hard. So we've got to have a certain, you know, game plan mentality to take that into account and not just say, oh, here's a one-off game at a neutral venue. We're, we're away from home. So that will that will all go into the, the planning and the preparation as well. Um, and hopefully get them in a mindset that they're comfortable with that, they've accepted that. And rather than, you know, going out there and being shocked and being, you know, scared in an environment that, that they're not usually um, involved in. But yeah, I think, um, you know, being at Springfield will be really exciting, a great opportunity for them to, to go out and show what they can do on a, you know, a decent sized pitch. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, you know, the, like I say, tactics-wise, and and you know the way we're going to play is is going to, to a certain extent, be dictated about, um, you know, who we've got and the players we've got, and and working, um, to get those players that you know are match winners, 
in the best possible situations around the pitch that we can. Um, and at certain points of the game, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go and try and get, win the game in the first 20 minutes. Um, it's, you know, maybe a case of staying in the game as long as possible to, to try and nick a result. That might be, that might be the way we go, um, depending on how things shape up in the start of that game. And obviously, as a coach, I suppose there's lots of different ways you can approach it. You know, as Karen said, in philosophies and and sort of man management styles. But for you, as a someone who's still playing, obviously mm. um, for Guernsey FC, when you, when you score a goal like you did on uh, the weekend, and you, and you sort of turn up to training and coaching your under 16s, does that help you get a real response out of them? Do they, you know, is it yeah. quite sort of fun for them to be able to, yeah. to see that you've still got it? And <laughs> I think it's yeah, I think it's it's really interesting, sort of still being involved in playing and then um coaching as well because yeah the, it's great to get that feedback from the kids and uh, you know some of the younger ones 16s whatever that they they come down and watch and um you know it's great that you know myself and some of those other gfc players can help inspire them and, and show them how realistic it is um to get into um you know against the fc shirt and be a part of that and i think you know that's that's part of the goal of all of this right is to is to try and create you know top Guernsey players for, of the future um, and for them to have, you know, those connections with me and other, you know, other people in this environment, um, you know, is, is massive and is part of the overall picture. Yes, Marathis, we, you know, we want to be involved with them. We really want to win them. Um, but yeah, there's a bigger picture behind, the, you know, going on behind the scenes that, um, you know, that education of this is what it's all about. If you want to be a part of this, these are the steps. Get advice from these people, learning from these people. So, yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it's enjoyable because, um, you know, <laughs> the things that I bang on about all the time to my kids, you know, you've got to practice your weak foot. And, you know, there's the perfect example of that one at the weekend. So, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's nice to be able to have live demonstrations <laughs> at, the, at the weekend. Um uh, but yeah, it does add that a little bit more pressure when you're telling them to do one thing and then you make a mistake. And uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's good. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying that balance at the moment. It's sometimes you know quite a lot because you got sort of pressure on two fronts. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm coping at the moment. Quite draining, <laughs> In terms of taking on this coaching role and whatever you're, have you found yourself sort of sort of listening to yourself, thinking I've got that from coaches that I've worked under you know like Vancey like yeah. Big Foul and, and like your dad I mean your yeah, dad yeah. obviously coached you a lot as a, as a nipper do you find yourself hearing yourself thinking I sound exactly like so and so there <laughs> yeah definitely there's moments um you know when I had a session last week and it was I was doing a classic Tony Vance warm-up from back in the day <laughs> and uh yeah there's moments where you've got to be a bit harder and firmer and that reminds me of you know things that Val is still <laughs> saying to us now and um, like, like I spoke to you before, you know, I think this, I'll always have a chat with dad and he's giving me advice and things remind us from what he used to say back in the day that I can then pass on uh, to the kids. So yeah, you're trying to take the, the best of all those, you know, great role models and people who've sort of not only inspired you, but have been around you for so long in, um, you know, the football environment that you think that worked for me, that's really helped me that I know is going to get a, a reaction that this is going to maybe help this player in a certain way, mm. but the other player, this other player needs, you know, maybe a little chat in a different way to, to get the best out of him. So yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting now sort of being in that environment where I was still, you know, that kid in the corner at a GFC game, listening to, to people <laughs> like Tony and Fal. And then, you know, the next day I'm, 
out there trying to sort of recreate that in my own mm-hmm. way, but taking, yeah, the best bits of, um, yeah, all these sort of great people who've inspired me. Mm. I suppose you've still got to make sure you're doing it how you want to do it as well, though. And you've got to be your own man in this. Yeah, of course. And I think that all comes through trial and error, mm. right? Because, you know, you, you, you see parts of yourself that... Um, you know, personality, certain personality things that you've got to maybe put aside and 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 say go out your comfort zone to 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 get the best out of other people, um, and it's 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 really difficult sometimes. You can't always, um, you know, like with this under sixteen squad, we can't pick everyone. That's mm-hmm. it's really hard, and it's 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 something that I hate doing, but. I'm sure, you know, Tony Vance, Colin Fellows, when they were first picking their first squads, um, they didn't enjoy doing it as well. It's, and it's not easy at any stage. So, yeah, there's certain things you've got to you've got to learn. And then you take, you know, you take your own, um, you know, way of doing things and what you think's best at, the, uh, at that time. Um, yeah. But, you know, like you say, you've got to be your own man and, and stick to your guns sometimes. And uh, whether you, that's going to work out or not. Yeah, again, it's a it's a whole learning experience uh, f- for myself and other people involved around me. And just finally, Ross, um, just wanted to touch on your kind of, I suppose, your wider role with the academy at yep. the moment. Um, you know, you, you've really um, stepped up your involvement in the last couple of years, obviously, on that side of things. Just explain kind of what your what your job is at the moment, and then the. Um, kind of where you're fitting into yeah as you say so training the the next generation of uh of, of Guernsey footballers at kind of at all levels I yeah so um I'm sort of managing the um the academy which is um you know for years I think uh year three to nine is sponsored by Aztec that you know Rob Jones has uh, stepped up and kept on with his new um indoor center and he's sponsoring that and then the 15 16s um sponsored by first central they are sort of that's kind of the the age groups that i um oversee um so yeah i coach in some not all but some of those groups along with some of the gfa staff and we've got some amazing volunteers who come down and um help out and get involved with that so yeah it's all about you know getting these groups these players together some of the the top players in the island giving them that environment that you know they can play against their their peers, some of their best you know uh, opposition from their age group, or you know occasionally will play them against the age group above to give them more of a challenge. Um, yeah, and so the you know for me, I think coming from that Guernsey FC point of view, it's it's how can we how can we get as many players coming through challenging um, into that into that environment as possible when they get into sixteen and beyond. Um, and you know, in those younger years, what opportunities can we give them to put them out of their comfort zone a little bit, push them on to be the best players that they can be. Um, and you know, with some of the coaches and the experience we've got, um, around the academy, it's, um, it's, it's just getting them hearing different voices and, and learning from different people. Yeah. And we mentioned obviously last year's Marathis, uh, uh, I think we both agreed, you know, they were closer than perhaps you know, mm. some of the scores or some of the some of the results suggested, but given that the results went that way, you know, did there were a few people starting to ask questions about, you know, about the preparation of, of teams and, and just the kind of youth development in general. I mean, when you look back at your own um, development as a footballer, are we getting it right at the moment um, in terms of, yeah, giving giving our young players the, the right exposure, the right preparation and organisation? Yeah, for sure. I You know, when I was in their youth ages, there was no such thing as an academy. Everyone was just, you just had your club and you'd occasionally maybe have, 
um, you know, some island games, but it was, it was, you know, that was few and far between. So I, I didn't have that weekly training um, session, which they do now, which I think is, is so vital, so important for them to have that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think we are still heading in the right direction. And I, I know it's a, a longer process than um, maybe I originally thought. I think there's still a lot we can do to, to try and, um, get these players more used to playing in these big games, these big environments. And um, obviously post COVID that, that that's a slower process than maybe people thought. And, you know, the financials and the resources and logistics wise, that's always, always going to be difficult. And Jersey have always got to step up on, uh, on us on, on those, those kind of things. So yeah, that's, that's something we need to improve. That's probably the next big step. But I think what we've currently got, the, the foundation we've got now, um, with, you know, the kids all buying into um, being a part of it and the, you know, competitive environment we're trying to create at academy training sessions and with um, with games and, um, you know, inter-academy games and stuff like that. Yeah, we've we've made some good steps, but there's, there's still work to do, hopefully with, uh, you know, the stadium on the horizon. <laughs> which should not be named because it's, it's, it keeps to seem to curse it every time we talk about it. But I think when it, you know, if and when it does come, that will be a, a, a game changer, um, you know, for things that we can provide, hopefully. So, yeah, there's, there's exciting times ahead, but yeah, still a lot of work to do. Ross Allen there speaking to uh, Gareth and I and uh, obviously wish him all the best for, for Sunday and all the best um, to Guernsey's under-16s um, for that um, Marathi over there in the other island. Um, we'll come on to the uh, senior Marathi semi-final in a minute, but James Fallows um, popped into the studio to talk us through what's been happening um, sort of domestically over the weekend. Um, we mentioned on last week's pod, Jim, um, that potentially Bells might be the, the biggest threat to Rovers' title chase, but it didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, yeah, so the the the, uh, the pre-match um, article in the paper was uh, all about you know Crystal Freight from Bells. Yeah, we're at full strength. We're going to give Rovers a you know a good hard test, and it was absolutely nothing like that at all. Uh, to the point, I think Chris also got his copy of the paper early this morning because he was messaging me before eight o'clock, explaining about all the withdrawals etc. He'd had from his squad over the course of uh, of Thursday night and, and Friday in the day. To the point where they started with their physio in goal. Uh, and only had 12 players where Reese LeBron turned up late and went between the sticks. But they're already 1 0 down at, um, at that point to Rovers. Um, Rovers, you know, very um, enthusiastic to have scored that first goal. And then equally, with they scored a second goal. And after that, the game just fizzled out because you know, three points were in the bag. Um, you know, Bells didn't lay a glove on. Uh, uh, on Rovers, no, well, well, they hit the post early on, but aside from that, you know, nothing for 80 minutes, and uh, yeah, it was very much an end of season performance from the track outfit. And Rovers uh, march on, two games to go. Uh, you know, still need two wins though, because North um, secured a one nil victory against Rangers at the KG5 on Saturday afternoon. It sounds, I think, a little bit tighter than it was. Uh, I understand that it was rather like. Rovers 1-0 win over Saints last weekend in that um, there were 
multiple chances, multiple balls flashed across the box. Uh, you know, nobody there to take them. And then Rangers had a couple of good chances themselves. I mean, I think Rangers will probably be pleased with their uh, performance. But as far as the league goes, um, you know, North are still breathing down Rovers' necks. So there's no 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 mercy in the uh, in the let up for the uh, for the title. Yeah, North will have to keep that up against um, Velrec um, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean that's probably that's definitely their biggest remaining game in terms of challenge. I mean they don't want to dis- disrespect anybody, but realistically they'd be thinking they win their last three games. So um, you know, and all North can do is carry on trying to win and uh, and putting the pressure on, hoping that Rovers slip up. And Verrek drew two all at Sylvans in their game at the weekend. Yeah, came back and scored a very very late um, equaliser there. Uh, so you know, Sylvans would have been pleased with that point, I would have thought. And in the other game, uh, Alderney gave St Martins a bit of a scare. Um, taking a half-time lead, but uh, eventually going down two-one. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know we've we've had nothing but misery to report for all really most of the season. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, maybe that bodes uh, slightly encouragingly for uh, for the weekend. Well, it brings us nicely on to that Marathi semi-final um, up there in Alderney on Saturday. Um, we've had a fair bit from Jersey in the build-up um, about their travel woes, and they are going to be going around the houses somewhat, uh, Gareth, to get there on Saturday. Yes, as I understand it from our, our colleagues in in Jersey at the Jersey Evening Post. Um, the, the eventual travel arrangements for, for Jersey to get up to Alderney for the Marathi semi-final includes sort of flying here early in the morning on Saturday, then taking a, a, ferry, a boat ride up to Alderney, kicking off at noon, and then basically taking the same journey back. They get a boat back to Guernsey and have to, to fly home. So it's uh, it's quite a, a convoluted way of getting up there, but I suppose at least they get the game played. They really ought to take the train to Mount Hale as well, shouldn't they? <laughs> well, they might be doing that as well. I haven't heard that final bit of the uh, the arrangement. Planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah, Um, yeah, there's been a bit of chat as well from um, the Jersey side of things about the fact that Alderney always play host uh, in these games. I mean, I think... um, I'd imagine it'd be the unanimous opinion of everyone in here that that's the way it should stay. Uh, I understand where Jersey might be coming from. And, and, you know, I think realistically what chances have uh fans got to go to Alderney to go and watch a game you know if the team can't get up there what what price the fan however uh, so it would be nice to see the, the the odd semi-final but realistically the crowd at Mount Hale on Saturday is going to be bigger than it would be if the game was played in Springfield mm. I can guarantee that yeah, and and you have to factor in not only you know giving Alderney that that s- slight advantage but it's their big payday of the season you know it's like an FA Cup you know third round tie against Man United or something, you know, they'll get 500 people there. That's 25% of the island population. Uh, they will sell burgers, they'll sell beers, they'll sell programmes, match admission, you know, all that kind of stuff that is vital for uh, for their future. So, And frankly, you know, really, who would get much out of Alderney going down to Springfield? No fans from Alderney. Very few fans from uh, from Jersey, realistically, yeah, and a, a pretty sound beating, I guess, you know. And the fact that Alderney have to play a semi-final every year. <laughs> well, yeah. Could, if Jersey want to go with the whole hog and go back to the days when it was rotated properly and Alderney got to the final every other year or whatever it was, they can go that way if they want. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of the opinion. I mean, when I was a kid, it shows how old I am, I, I used to go and watch Marathi semi-finals when Alderney did come here and play. So it's, it's sort of not that long ago, but... 
I don't see any any big issue with Guernsey and Jersey once every sort of two years having to go up there and win a game to, to earn their place in the Marathi final. I've got, I've got no problem with it, to be honest. Yeah, and on the playing side this weekend, as you say, Jim, hasn't been a, an easy season for Alderney at all. Um, but this will be the game, clearly, that they'll, they'll get up for. For Jersey, with Jersey Bulls, um, kind of promotion aims faltering pretty severely and having a game as well at the weekend, it will be interesting to see what kind of squad they take up there and exactly how they spread the um, spread their resource. Yeah, it's, um, it's, am I right in thinking this will be the first time that Jersey have played with the Bulls as a meaningful um, challenger uh, to, to their selection? I mean, Guernsey FC and, and Guernsey Marathi squad have always worked hand in glove. And frankly, I think we've always taken a pretty decent side up there. We've, we've you know, Ross, I think, has played every um, uh, every semi final in, in Alderney that he's been available for. We have, we've never taken it lightly. Uh, I guess Jersey you know, won't want to do the same. But uh, yeah, I'm really not sure how that will work out. Yeah, it will be interesting to see um, what happens over there. Um, yeah, hopefully, it'll be a, a great day. Um, whatever uh, the result on the pitch for, for Alderney, I've seen some photos of the um, the programmes that have been printed. Um, a tribute to former Alderney chair, um, Reg Atkins, who, who died a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm sure they'll um, be raising a bit of money there. And um, yeah, uh, a big day um, for everyone involved in the Nomad. So we'll have some reaction to that on next week's pod. Um, before we go, a quick mention for Alex Scott and Mayor as ever. Um, Alex Scott off with England's under-20s um, this week. Um, a game against Germany uh, in England, I think. And then he's off to Spain for a couple of games against USA and France. Um, so, yeah, that'll be uh, an interesting one to follow. And Mayor Letizia, um and her Man United women's side are into the uh, semi-finals of the FA Cup for the first time. So, um, yeah, something to chase um, for her this season. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if, um, yeah, they could make the final? Right, we'll leave it there. I don't think there's anything else to add. Jim, we didn't touch on your performance in goal um, for Indies there, but it's I'm probably for the best. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it. Um, ask John Fernandez um, <laughs> next time you see him, if anyone's listening. Um, right, thanks for popping in, James. Cheers, Gareth. And our thanks again to Rehoy and Son for their sport. We'll see you next week. See ya.